Amen. Thank you, Josh. I like that phrase. I hadn't heard that before. Worship as a weapon against the enemy. I like that. All right, well, it is good. As I said before, good to be here. Good to see y'all that are here. Uh, welcome at home. Um, I'm thrilled to be here today, and we're going to talk about another aspect of discipleship, about how we live the, the life. And I think I, say that, I think I say this every week. This one's really important. Uh, but I think this one is, and it's been my experience coming up as a young Christian out of the world in my early 20s and then as a pastor, I would say that this is probably one of the major voids in many Christians' lives, that this fellowship with the body of believers. And not just going to church, I'm talking about where you can go and you can share anything. The, I mean, the real work gets done. You have a group of people, uh, maybe a group of ladies, a group of guys, maybe couples, that you know they know everything about you and they love you anyway. And they're always going to be there to support you. Um, I think that's essential if we're going to live this life of discipleship. It is essential. And so I, as we go through this, I want you to think about who, who in my life is the body of Christ? Where is that place that I can be safe, that I can be uh, vulnerable? Uh, because that is vital to living this life uh, in this world, but also as a disciple of Jesus Christ. All right, our scripture, it's just pieces of 1 Corinthians 12, I commend all of it to you, begins in verse 12, uh, but it kind of goes in detail and it'll be a little long, so I'm just kind of uh, reading the highlights, but it's out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. Listen for the word of the Lord. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. As it is, here are many parts, but one body. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there, there would be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. This is the word of God for the people of God. So we're going to talk just briefly about what is the body of Christ, um, and then we're going to talk about the importance of the body of Christ. So when we talk, think about the body of Christ, our, our scripture tells us it's many parts. You know, we all have different life circumstances, different personalities, different situations that formed us in our cognitive development. And so we're, we're all very different. But we are bound together, if we go back to the beginning, by faith in the Holy Spirit. Our scripture says we drink from one spirit. We are connected by one spirit. Uh, and so when we get re reconnected to God, we are connected to the very spirit of life. 
In, in Genesis, God breathed the breath of life. And, and Scripture talks about that over and over, this spirit that gives life. And so uh, Jesus told Nicodemus in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of the water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. So through faith in Christ, by grace, we are born of the Spirit. So I like to look at it, I think through original sin, humanity got separated from God, from the very source of life, and so we have a shelf life in this world, in this life. And so we have time, an opportunity through Christ to get reconnected to that very source of life, thus our salvation. And so we have the ministry of reconnection, or uh, 2 Corinthians says, reconciliation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone away and the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled to himself uh, through Christ and gave the ministry of reconciliation to the church. And God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So in Christ, we are reconciled to God. In the very beginning, Genesis 3, uh, the sin, original sin of wanting our will over God's will separates us from God. But in Christ, we are reconciled. We are reconnected. And so when we are reconnected to God, we begin reconnected to one another. And so we can all think of some people in the church that we are very close to. There Maybe many of them are like family, right? We call each other, we, we become adopted in. We are children of God. We are part of his family. And we are brothers and sisters in Christ. So we are reconciled to God and reconciled to one another. And so when we become reconciled to God through faith and we are bound by one spirit, then uh, we, as the body of Christ, are connected to one another. In the, in the many different parts. And understand, this is not an organization. This is where we often as a church get sidetracked. It is not an organization, but it is an organism. A living organism, the body of Christ is. It begins, if we, when we begin to emphasize the organization over the organism, then the church begins to lose its way. And all of a sudden, it's about the organization. So an organization could be a system or maybe several systems that come and help with the, the mission. Right? But what happens if you look out over uh, different bureaucracies, over time, the institution 
The organization becomes the main purpose. So the organizations and the systems of the organization are there to help fill, fulfill the mission of the church. That's the primary goal, the mission of the church, spreading the gospel, uh, reconciling ourselves to God and to one another. Relationships is the main mission. But if we're not careful, over time, the main mission, the primary goal shifts. And it's no longer the mission. It's we exist to sustain the organization. Does it make sense? I'm trying to be vague here so I don't get in trouble since we're on tape. Right? But all churches have to watch that. All denominations have to. Maybe they start with the right purpose and, and, and the, the, the idea is good, right? That we need to have a connection in order to help the local church or the, the, the smaller pieces of the body to help carry out the mission. But over time, we lose our focus and the local churches or the, the, the other little entities begin to exist to support the institution. So there's a concept in uh, theology, it's called the invisible church and the visible church. Anybody ever familiar with that? I have a, a formal definition, but basically the invisible church is all those who have truly put their faith in Christ and they receive Christ by grace, right? And, and the, the visible church is the institution. It is the organization, and it has a role to play and has played a role throughout history, but it is not the most important piece. But when we begin to think the institutional church is more important than the, in, the invisible church, the body of Christ, then we lose our way. We begin to f lose our, our focus. So one way I like to talk about the visible, make an explanation of the institutional, the visible church and the invisible church, is it, let's just use the word rapture or the concept of rapture. I don't care if you believe in the rapture, don't believe in the rapture. Um, but if there's a rapture, the visible church is going to be taken up. Some of the visible church, the institutional church, there's going to be a lot of pews that are still going to be filled. Right? There's going to be a lot of pulpits that are still going to be filled. So it's about who we are as the body of Christ. We can't lose our identity that first and foremost, we are the body of Christ about the business of reconciling to God and reconciling uh, to one another. Tony Evans speaks of this in, in a little different terms. He talks about a robot versus a living breathing body. He says, Christ's body, the church is not an organization but an organism. Um, we can create a robot and have an organization. That parts, the parts work and are connected to one another, but the problem is with the robot is that it has no life, right? It is an organizational, there's an organizational connection, but it's not a living being. A human body, in contrast, has an organization that makes it function but also is a living organism. 
So when we think about the body of Christ, it is a living and breathing organism. And so Paul takes that idea, that concept, and uses language that we can apply to a living organism, a living body, right? We can say that a body is healthy or unhealthy. And that's what he begins to say. If, if one part of the body suffers, then the whole body suffers. So you might hurt your finger. It might not affect the whole body in a big way, but it could. Right? There, there's some pain. There's some soreness, maybe a fever if it gets infected. So we, we can't just be uh, divided in the body. We have to care for one another because our our Hope is that we have a healthy body of Christ, a healthy church, because there is a lot of unhealthy churches out there. There is a lot of organizations out there that have put the organizations first, and, the, and it's all becomes all about systems and going to um, meetings, administrative meetings, finance meetings, and that's all part of it. That's very important. But we can't lose the focus on the relationship because then it becomes a religion and not a relationship. Jesus came. They had the religion. There was no more religious people than the Jewish people. They had religion down. They didn't need Jesus come and teach them about religion. He came and taught them about a relationship. It's about a relationship. And so if it is all about relationships, and that we are connected by one spirit in a communal relationship, if it's unhealthy, we lose our witness. So you will hear me say this often. If, if, if people from the world are getting tired of the world and the division and the backbiting and the cruelty and, you know, just the list goes on, and they go, oh, man, I need something. There's got to be something better, something different. And the Holy Spirit moves them and they bring them to a church. And then they walk in and after visiting a few months, they see backbiting, division, politics. How's that different than the world? It's not. It is about the being the body of Christ. And the body of Christ, it, it needs us. Now, let me clarify that. That doesn't mean that God won't accomplish God's goal in people's lives. You know, if, if God's working in somebody's life, that's why I'm excited about what God's doing here and who God's sending this way because I've talked to some people, met some guy running that has been coming from the pumpkin patch, um, and we're going to visit, and boy, he's really searching. And that gives me affirmation because if, God, if God's working in his life, I can tell. And if we weren't on the right track, God would have sent him somewhere else. Right? Somewhere else. And so that affirms that we're on the right track. And we're, it's about relationship and reconciliation. And about the, and we need, the, well, let me not get ahead of myself. The body of Christ needs us, going back to the beginning, right? We're all different in here. 
We have had different lives, different circumstances, different mountaintops, different struggles. We have different talents and gifts, skills. And God takes all of that. This is the miracle of God. Takes all of that. If we all put Christ first, we put Christ first. God takes all those differences and brings them together for one glorious whole. And it's beautiful. But oftentimes we try to make everybody a, a carbon cutout of, of somebody else. I want different people. Right? I, I have a certain skill set. I remember I'll talk about two churches ago, had a lay leader. He was an engineer. He loved writing employee policy manuals, um, any financial man, any manuals you, that you want, want. He would, hey, I'll do it. I loved it. I hate that stuff. Right? We don't want a bunch of people that don't want to write those kind of manuals and do that kind of hit. He loved it. It was perfect. Right? We, we accent one another. But we have to put Christ first. I've had a lay leader at uh, Harker Heights. Some of you heard me talk about Dixie and Kay that have been coming. They're from Harker Heights. And moved, Dixie moved down here. But we went to lunch. Some of the people from Harker Heights came and we went to lunch a few weeks ago and we were reliving stuff. We were talking about my lay leader down there and what a great job he did. And uh, he had been strung out on uh, methamphetamines for a long time in his life. And uh, he had come to the Lord. And I mean, he, that was way past. That was his old days. Um, I mean, he still had some long hair and some earrings. and. And where Harker Heights was mostly retired officers um, that kind of hung around clean area. That's where it is. And so I came one day after about first year, and we were working on the different talents and gifts. And I said, I think Michael should be lay leader. There wasn't a warm reception. It wasn't anti but I just said, he's doing everything a lay leader is supposed to do. He's already doing it. And he became the lay leader. And he and I, when it came to, to politics and, and a bunch of things, we were different as night and day. But if I added up close brothers in the body of Christ throughout my life and throughout my ministry, he'd be in that top five because of we drank from one spirit. And Christ was sent above all in our lives. And I would share with him anything. And he would share with me anyway. As, as the proverb says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And we have to have that if we're going to try to live this life. And we have to get, you know, sometimes we think about going to church or participating in church from our perspective. I don't feel like it. Or, ah, that's not my thing. Uh, yeah, but the body of Christ needs you. We, we're, we're, we are missing something when all of our bodies not together. And so we need, and not only do we need our differences and our uniqueness, because there's some people only I'm going to be able to reach because of my experience and my situation. 
There's some people only Scott's going to be able to reach because of his experience and what he knows and what he can share. And so we're all not going to reach the same people. So we need a variety of people being about the business of the body of Christ. And we need to be there for other people. When I was in a, I was in a group of men, it was about five or six, in my, and this was the most formidable part of my early Christian, and they were all ranchers and cowboys. I was this kid from Chicago. Um, but I met with them every Wednesday morning at 6.30. And that was where I realized how important these groups are. I could share my real struggles. I could uh, uh, share all of my heart. And I knew they would love me and they would support me. They would encourage me. But some days it was all about me. I had a bad week or I was struggling or something. Some days it, I had a good week. I was like, I don't know if I need to go. But I'll go and I was there for somebody else. That was their day that we needed to be there for them. So the body of Christ needs us because life's hard. Remember last week we talked about John, the gospel of John 13, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Man, we go through this world, we get some dirt on us, we get beat up, we get sores, and we need somebody to wash us and wash our feet, clean our spirits. We need some place to go where we can get washed. And we need to do that for other people. But sometimes we need our feet washed. We need encouragement. We need to be lifted up. This, this life in general is hard. But we have to do this together. We were meant to live in the community. Live in union with God and one another. And we, it, sometimes it's just, you know, 1 Peter 5, 8 tells us that, the, that Satan prowls around looking for someone to devour. You know what a lion does? It follows the herd and looks for the one that's all by himself. I mean, that happens over and over to Christians. We isolate ourselves and we don't share and we hurt and we think we're the only ones and this is the worst thing in the world. And there's people out there that we need to hear from, that need to lift us up. We can't isolate ourselves. And I'm worried, I'm a little worried about that. I've heard in this time, this pandemic, when we're all, when we are physically isolated, I've heard several times very similar things like, well, I'm ready to get out, I want to, but I'm almost conditioned that I don't want to. I'm like, there's part of me that, yeah, but then I was like, oh. We gotta fight that. And we gotta think of somebody that we need to reach out to. Pastors love it when someone goes, hey, has anyone called uh, Linda? I thought, well, I didn't think about it. Did you call her? Right? We need to look out for one another. We look out. We have to be careful that we don't stray from the herd, but we got to be careful. We got to look for strays too that are isolated, that are hurting, that need someone. Because we all need these groups. I don't care if there's life groups that, or if it's uh, more of a fourth day Emmaus group. No, like that I've participated in, 
Life groups a little bigger, a little more social. Uh, these Emmaus groups, those fourth day groups that I've participated in often, it's more like four, five to seven guys, and we get in there and say, closest to Christ, furthest from Christ. I mean, I used to go there all the time, and man, my wife is stubborn. Hi, sweetie. Uh, now, she is super sweet, but we would get in a fight when we were in our early 20s, and uh, we would be on a stalemate for a couple days, and I would go to this group. It might not even talk about it, but my heart was right, and, and I got my priorities straightened out, and I'd come back as, as stubborn as I am. Just going to that group, I'd come home and say, I'm sorry. It just didn't matter anymore. You know, it straightened me out. And we all, we all need these times where we can go and have accountability. And let me talk about that just real quick. Accountability, that doesn't mean that, hey, we, we hold each other on the spot, right? And we judge and we condemn. No, when you are with a group of people, so I started one of these groups in one of my churches and this a uh, gentleman was coming, he, wasn't, he didn't know, and we decided we would read some scripture every week and have a personal reading. And uh, he came one day and said, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, guys, I, I didn't get my scripture read. And then at the end, we were talking about the meeting. He goes, Jim, I haven't really seen the accountability that we had talked about in these groups. He was looking for me to, you know, point the finger. I said, Dan, what would you tell us when you came in? I didn't get to my reading this week. I've been way too busy. Accountability. That's the kind of accountability that's in the body of Christ. We keep ourselves accountable because we're around people that love us. It's not a shameful thing to make a mistake or forget to do your reading or to fall. We expect that. Support. We need to go to these groups and, and have support where we know we're not alone where other people have similar or different struggles. But we have to be able to share our struggles. That we, I'm not the only person. Have you ever had something going in, on in your life and you think you're the only person that's ever happened to? You know better up here, but because you're isolated, you just feel like you're the worst person in the world. You have no one to share this with. And what do you do? I don't think I better go to church. One step back becomes two step backs. Little isolation becomes a lot of isolation. We need that support. All right. Finally, we have to have this encouragement, accountability, and support from one another. We can't do this by ourselves. And we need people to lift us up. Sometimes we got to be the one lifting people up, and sometimes we got to let ourselves be lifted up. We got to do this together. And so, if you're not in one of these groups, and it doesn't even have to be a group of five or seven, it could be as a prayer partner. It could be two if that's what's more comfortable, but you have to have it. I don't care what form it takes, you have to have it. In closing, in Exodus 17, uh, Moses sends Joshua out to fight the Amalekites. And when he's out there and he's fighting and they're going at it. And Moses is on the hill 
raising his hands. And every time Moses raises his hands, Joshua beats up, he, he starts winning the battle over the Amalekites. And when his hands begin to drop, they begin to lose. And so he's holding his hands, but it's going, the battle's taking a long time. And so God has called him to hold his hands so they can win the battle. This is his mission. This is what he's supposed to do. But his hands are getting too tired. And so Aaron and her get on either side and they lift up his hands. One lifts up this arm and one lifts up this arm so he can do his job, so he can do what God has called him to do, so Joshua can win the battle against the Amalekites. They're supporting his hands. My question to you, who's supporting you? Who's lifting your hands up when you can't hold them up anymore? When they're getting too heavy? Who's supporting you? Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your patience. Lord, when I'm hard-headed and think I can do everything by myself and I don't need anybody, Lord, I thank you that you're patient with me and that you sometimes subtly and sometimes not so subtly remind me I can't do this by myself. Lord, I thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.